Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world, welcome to an international multi-continent Huh? Yeah. Multi-continent. Episode Big of? Deal. Episode of? FNO InsureTech with your host, Rob Beller, and the other guy, Lee Boyd. <laughs> that guy who does all the work when I'm not here, Lee Boyd. That's true. It's true. Does that bother you? Let's, let's, no. let's digress for a moment and have a little therapy. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good does idea. Does it bother you that I'm the... Just the ginormous star of this thing. No, and, I and think you're like the Ed McMahon to my Johnny Carson. Is that fair? Yeah, I like Ed McMahon a lot, so I think I think that's okay. Ed McMahon doesn't he go around still? And he's no, still he alive, would be right? Dead. He would be dead still now. Is Ed yeah. McMahon dead? Yeah, he is no longer living. I thought he was still doing the. Can we have one of our Can we have one of our uh, Cracker Jack production team please check this out as as we're live on the air? When did um, he die? No, he died recently. That is sad. Ed, Mc, you just said it, Ed McMahon. Okay, so cheers. no, I don't want to be Ed McMahon because he's he's not here anymore. Yeah, neither is Johnny Carson though, for that matter. Yeah. So, no, uh, I, I, I like that. I, I like to think that I may be Paul Schaefer to your David Letterman. Hmm, I'm go I'm I'm good with that. I'm I like Paul Schaefer. That. He's from Canada. He's oh. from a different country. You're not. What, <laughs> well, I, I don't understand what point you're making. We're, we're we're both short. He's bald. I'm not. I think How he plays the drums. I played the drums. Okay. He's quite a musician, I do believe. He is. He's quite a musician. I wonder what he's doing these days. He's not dead, is he? I don't think Paul Schaefer's dead. I think he's having a great time doing whatever he does. I read That's... his book a long time ago. I picked it up at an airport. Uh huh. I can't remember anything about it. Okay. I can't remember anything okay. about it. He was the sidekick to David Letterman. He's from Canada. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And he's uh and he's bald. Mm-hmm. What does not that there's anything wrong with it? Okay, so here's a here's a question for you. What does anything okay. we're talking about? have to do with today's episode? Um, David Letterman and Paul Schaefer are from two different countries. But you and I aren't. Oh, no, there you go. But there but you our go. Guests, our you guests are from me. two different countries. Our guests are from two different countries. And we'll be speaking yeah. to them from two different countries. At the same time. The Isn't, same that time. Neat? Isn't that neat how you can do a podcast from halfway around the world and everything just works? It's Isn't awesome. That cool? It's awesome. It's awesome. Technology really changes the way that we live. And and with that being said, our guest today is going to talk about technology changing the way that Australia does insurance. We have Richard Jaffe, CEO and co-founder of Honey Insurance, a fascinating guy, serial entrepreneur. He's had Funny a couple guy. exits, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy him, and a returner. Uh, yeah. Brett Jurgens, CEO and co-founder of Notion. Brett uh, and his co-founder founded Notion several years ago, 
and um, sold to Comcast, not a little company. That's Big right, company. Comcast, to work in their um, home security uh, world. A couple of years ago, maybe they sold to yeah. Comcast, and um, somehow these two got hooked up, and they're doing business uh, halfway around the world with one another. Yeah, I, I think it's great. We're going to get to talk about the partnership. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Notion. Ever since we had them on, I actually have some Notion devices at my house, and and they're great. And we're going to get to talk about how Honey and Notion work together and how they are really changing the landscape of insurance in Australia. We're going to get to dive into a little bit about insurance in Australia, something I didn't know about. Um, but yeah, it, it's a, it, it'll be a great conversation today. Yeah, and how it's uh, how the industry is a little different there and a little the same. So um, why don't we why don't we get into that and we can stop talking and 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 you know our listeners are going God how long is this going to go on for? You know, normally <laughs> when three does to five it minutes. stop? Three to five minutes is that what it is? So it's really not long. Why don't we go ahead and jump into our interview? Without further ado. Here is our interview with Brett Jurgens and Richard Joffe. Hey, everybody. We are here for a very special podcast. It's a twofer. A twofer. That's right. We have two guests for the price of one. And, of course, this podcast costs you exactly, exactly nothing. So it's even better than that. We have with us today guests from all over the world. Is that correct? Are we all over all, the world today? All over the world. Uh-huh. Well, at least one of us is all over the world. Like literally the furthest place in the entire planet that's populated. Yeah. Let's start with, we have two guests. We have Brett Jurgens from Notion, founder, co-founder of Notion, and Richard Joffe, CEO and co-founder of Honey Insurance. And Richard, tell our audience where you are today. So I'm based in Sydney, Australia. I moved three years ago from San Francisco. But yeah, I'm in beautiful Australia. Great. What's the weather like there today? It is uh, breathtaking with a splash of lockdown. So, well, uh, what season is it in Australia? It's summer. Everything is the opposite here, literally, from the way the toilet water flushes right. <laughs> is that true? Does the toilet really flush backwards? Yeah, it's true. Incumbent insurance companies need to, you know, pick up their game and toilet water flushing backwards. What is the world becoming, right? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, Sydney. And what about you, Brett Jurgens? Where are you today? I'm just in the middle, right in, in uh, Colorado, in Denver, Colorado. I mean, that, that's fun. Colorado's nice. That's yeah. awesome. And full disclosure, Brett Jurgens is a second timer on our podcast. Is that right, Brett? Yeah, probably, I don't know, three years ago or so I was on. It was a yeah. long time. I would imagine a lot's happened since then. Maybe we'll get to talk about it. We could start there. I think that's a great place to start. Brett, what's happened at Notion in the last two years? Yeah, so the, the big news for us, um, a little over a year and a half ago, uh, we were acquired by Comcast. We have had a number of insurance partnerships for a long time, and we have some other partnerships outside of insurance. And Comcast was one that was a, a little bit of a combination of both in, in some unique ways. But um, we were acquired in February, about a week before um, lockdown really happened uh, for COVID. So kind of crazy timing, but it's been, um, a great partnership and a great, um, 
you know, future for us with, with such a big, you know, fortune 50 company, who's got 30 million connected customers and pretty big vision on, on what we're doing. Tell us just real quickly, why would Comcast buy you guys? Why were they interested in your space and how did they come to choose you? So from Comcast's point of view, uh, there's, you know, sort of this future of continuing to connect homes and small businesses, businesses, but also to protect them. So kind of this connect and protect theme, I'd say on a, on a broad basis, DIY home and business monitoring and security is a, is a big theme for them. Kind of being able to continue to expand their footprints in uh, people's homes that they're already connected to, usually through a broadband connection and internet connection. And they also have some partnerships in the insurance space that we were, you know, partners with those companies prior to. And so I think there was a unique opportunity for us to come in and provide. Uh, some more expertise and some, you know, kind of exciting, you know, roadmap opportunities for them. And it was just, uh, it was, a, it was a good fit kind of right, right timing, right place, right time. Well, big congratulations on that. I mean, that's um, for many entrepreneurs in the tech space, kind of a dream acquirer. And uh, so congratulations to that. And we also have Richard with us coming from Australia. Richard, you're also uh, an entrepreneur, a serial founder, correct? Tell us a little bit yeah. about you and, 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 and a little bit about Honey. Uh, yeah, so this is my third startup, which I founded. Uh, I started and sold two in the past. Um, both of them were, were very much automation businesses that kind of made something more efficient. Uh, my first company was called Park Assist, uh, which is all those green and red lights that shows you where to park your car when you're driving around. Um, and then the second one was called Stella, which uh, automated recruiting departments. And so I married a Sydney girl, a couple couple of kids and moved to Australia uh, from San Francisco three years ago and was looking at what to do next. And Australia is uh, a very unique place in many ways, which we can get into. But I also didn't want to spend my life traveling again. And so I started looking, when I was looking what what to kind of do next, um, I started looking a lot into financial services and insurance, given the size of the industry. And the reality was insurance was just ages behind uh, the US. Like it was quite obvious when I arrived that it was another Australian oligopoly. You know, consumers definitely were not feeling and touching innovation in any way that we would think about it in the US. And so I was really excited to try and shake shake up the industry or at least be a part of that. And, you know, the playbooks, I think, from Lemonade and Hippo and WeFox and kind of when you look globally at what's happening, there's no question Australians, you know, deserve to have a piece of that. And, and Notion being, I think, a big piece of how you can really improve quality of life for people like in an environment as well where you know, I don't think there's any country in the world that's stricken with catastrophic issues, weather-related issues as much as Australia, right? So it's a very strong tech adopting society. You've got the highest GDP per capita in the world. You've got an oligopoly that's really not innovating or giving people value add. And you've got people, the customers themselves are like very attuned to risk, right? When you, when you have bushfires and flooding and like when, when, when these things are front of mind constantly, uh, it definitely creates pervasive understanding amongst the customers that you know, using tech to really reduce risk matters, right? Uh, I'd say even more than in the U.S., frankly. So help me understand this. We went from founding Park Assist, which helps helps people, you know, find a spot inside a parking garage, to 
revolutionizing the way insurance works in Australia. <laughs> I mean, I don't, those seem pretty far apart. So was it like, Hey, I, I did this, this park assist thing and I went, I went to Australia and I was looking for something or how in the world did insurance come to your mind? Connect those dots for us, please. Well, first, so this it's my third one. I think, you know, in both of my first two companies, the problem we went after was, was just an efficiency problem, right? Like there's a consumer problem where technology can like just make it easier to buy or add value fundamentally, right? And whether it's parking or recruitment or insurance, the, the blueprint is really the same, which is where are you on the technology adoption curve? So for example, if we were 10 years ago or 15 years ago, the technology that, that Brett is building in Notion wouldn't be something that you could give away for free to every home insurance customer. Like the, you couldn't yeah. tolerate that cost, right? So the timing is right now where the value add of technology for that specific use case can really move the needle in a substantial way. And it was no different than, you know, when I went after parking or went after recruitment. And I don't think this will be my last rodeo either. Right. But I think it's really interesting when you look at industries and say, where are we on the technology curve? And has there been a change in the last three to five years? So quite recent that allows us to add like substantial value to customers in a pain point in a way that didn't exist, call it five years ago. And I think what you're seeing in insurance when it comes to automating how you buy insurance, meaning reducing the number of questions and just reducing friction around renewals. When you just digitize that experience, that's a big deal for people. You can do that in a way you really couldn't do five or 10 years ago. When you think about how you can use technology, and I spent a lot of, you know, a decade in IoT when I was in parking, it was all smart sensors, right? So what Brett's doing in Notion is hardly a far on concept to me. I mean, it's a different application, obviously, but I spent a decade looking at wireless technologies, right? So when you look at these applications, it makes a lot of sense as a consumer, right? I want my insurance company to reduce risk in my life. And if I'm shelling out $1,600, Annually, there's enough money in that unit economics that the insurance company can absolutely or should certainly justify spending money on tech and services to reduce risk. The math stacks up. If you doubled or tripled the price of the technology, which was the case five or 10 years ago, that use case, that that opportunity doesn't exist. Right. And so I think the, the most interesting place to kind of build companies is at the intersection where cost reductions in technology enable new value added services, right? And there's a million examples from, you know, from Uber to, you know, you name it, right? Airbnb, right? Yeah. And and so is that what, what Honey Insurance is? You're using technology at the core to be able to offer uh, your insureds a, a cheaper product or the right product? What, do you, what are you doing with that technology at its center? Yeah. So we, our philosophy is, you know, we're probably average price in the market. Uh, I think when you look at a lot of the new insure techs out there and even insurance brands out there, the playbook normally is we have something to the effect of we have a 10% cost advantage versus an incumbent, right? Like they're just running less efficiently for a myriad of reasons. Um, let's use that cost advantage to drop price 10% with a new brand and we'll get some market share. I mean, sure. you can dress, you can dress sure. that up, but that's kind of the playbook, right? And so I think our view was, hold on a second, what if we price right, like we're average in the market, but what if we redeploy this 10 or 15% annually into value-added tech uh, and services that actually reduces risk in the customer's life, right? The irony is, is that not only are we better off because retention goes up and claims goes down and customers are genuinely better off in their lives, right? The lower risk. The irony is we're actually in the money in the long haul, right? Because 
the unit economic stacks up. Now you, you know, you have to spend a lot of money up front. It's very capital intensive, uh, cause you're dishing out, you know, millions, tens of millions of dollars, right? For notion sensors and what have you. Um, but it turns out in the long game, if you have the patience for that, that it, it really, everyone wins in the end. The customers win because they're having less claims. We win because our loss ratios go down. Um, and ironically over time, price will go down in the long haul, but no, we're, we're not competing on price. Our value prop is we're going to sell insurance for the same price as everyone else for home insurance, right? Home landlords. The difference is, is that we're going to kind of wow the customer by giving them hundreds and hundreds of dollars of free tech and services to actually reduce risk in their lives. So we're redeploying that margin into true value add, as opposed to just giving a one-off discount, right? Very interesting. And I mean, that must be a message that you try to put out to people. You're going to pay us the same price, but you're going to get more. Yeah, exactly. And I think for most people, they're less concerned. It's become a insurance. I can only talk to Australia, but I think people are price sensitive within reason. But the reality is, is that that's because no one's doing anything to help their customers. Right. And, and in a world of commoditization where everything's the same, where the existing incumbents try to make it difficult to understand what's in your policy. Like it's no different than the telco industry, right? Like when you're moving towards commoditization, your only way to create a barrier to entry is to create complexity to customers where they can't really compare across companies. And so it becomes hard for you to like, it becomes all too much. And so you just throw your hands in the air and you don't shop around. Right. Um, and, and so I think the exact opposite, the antithesis of that, right. Is, uh, what if we come in and, and actually offer a true, value add for customers, which would motivate them to move. So I think most people are within 10 or 15% are not that uh, motivated by price. Whether you're paying 1600 or 1700 is not typically right. the trigger. If you're able to actually reduce risk in someone's life 50% for them and their families, I mean, that's like, it's, it's genuinely a big societal, it's like a real issue, like at scale. And I think that's the problem we're going after, right? 50% of accidents, there's nothing we can do. It's a hailstorm. It's a force of nature, right? It's a, it's a bushfire. Like we, Brett and myself cannot solve that problem unless Brett's cooking up a satellite technology platform I don't know about. But I think, uh, you know, there's not much we can do about that. But the other 50%, you know, it's water leaks. It's your fire alarm going off while you're in the movies and you didn't know about it. It's you left your garage door open and someone stole something, right? It's, it, there really are things that we can help to solve. And so the question then is, how do we take what Brett's developed a notion and how do we put that into a customer's hands in a way that's just so easy to understand and seamless that ultimately actually reduces risk in their lives? And we think people care far more about that than whether it's 50 bucks or 100 bucks cheaper, right? So I'm guessing that's what um, brought you guys together. And I really want to hear the story about how that happened. But um, the Notion product is um, one of those important value adds that you offer to your customers if they buy your policy. Is that correct? Yeah, it's exactly right. And we're seeing, I don't want to speak for all customers in the US, but my understanding is in the US, I think, Brett, the adoption rates are about 70, 75% is my understanding on the policies. And you know, in, the, in Australia, we're seeing north of 90%, nearly 95% of people are saying- Wow, that's high. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, again, albeit we're early days, but you know, like the, there's, there, we are starting to see meaningful volumes and we're seeing well north of 90%. So we're seeing very high adoption rates. Are there cultural differences? I mean, you've lived uh, in various places in the world. Are there cultural differences? And Brett, maybe you know this as well, di between say the U.S. consumer space and the Australian consumer space 
that would lead to higher adoption in Australia? Or do you think that you're just more effective in getting the message out? Well, Richard, you know, you know, Australia and I don't, I think that one thing I know about the IOT market, broadly <laughs> speaking, kind of the connected home market is that there have been many fewer entrants in, into Australia. I think that Australians are hungry for technology. And I think as Richard said, there's high GDP per capita. And so you have, you know, kind of an interesting situation where people are acutely aware of perils. Um, and, uh, just a good, a good situation for us to find a great partner to, to sort of enter into that market with, but, you know, culturally speaking, Richard, you would know better than me. Yes. I, I, I don't think there's a single individual reason. I think there's three or four, it's a confluence of three or four things that drives that. I think first and foremost, there's just not a lot of competition, right? You've got five companies that control probably 85% of home insurance in Australia. I mean, there's dozens of brands under them, but really there's five platforms and you know, the, the R and D to, to premiums, to revenue is just, it's incredibly low, right? So, so again, in the scheme of things, they're not investing into real customer innovation and value add. Um, and so I think number one, there's just a lack of competition, right? That you don't, you don't have insure techs at scale here, really. I mean, we're kind of, there are a few floating around, but at the scale you would think about in the U S there's not really insure techs here. So I think it's wide open and not a lot of competition. I think it's definitely a tech centric society, right? Like they're early adopters on the technology curve in many ways, I would say. And then the third is that they're, they're very sensitive to safety and risk because you, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine a, a three or four month period where you're not hearing about some flood or some bushfire or some drought or, you know, just something significant that's happening to people. Right. And so when that happens, you have a, a soft ear, so to speak, where people, they want to use technology to reduce risk in their lives. Right. They're aware of it. Um, so I think it's, it's really three or four different things that come together and that's to you. Brett, why don't you tell us how in the world did uh, you, you two meet up? I always thought of Notion probably as, as a American based company. I could be wrong. Tell me if I am. Uh, but yet in Australia, uh, we have honey. So what, what's the story there? Yeah, well, um, you know, we, we've been partnering with insurance companies now for about four years and, uh, kind of across the board, um, some insure techs, some incumbents, a uh, couple of players on the, the SMB side, even, uh, and, um, you know, Hippo is one of our, uh, one of our big customers here in the U S amongst others. And it was a, a, a good connection, um, through them. That's kind of the, the short story. And so oh, wow. I think some of the, the successes that we've seen with them translated into not only the model that, uh, you know, Richard and honey have, um, but also to what Richard was talking about earlier, just his background and familiarity with IOT devices and the data and the analytics side of this not being foreign uh, to him at all. And I, I think that's one of the big differences that we see with some insure techs versus some incumbents is just a, a, a different mentality, right? Richard came from, you know, two other startups coming out of Silicon Valley. Um, there's a little bit of different, a different, uh, uh, you know, mold there, so to speak, that, that just fits what we're doing really well. And I think a lot of what Notion is about is helping insurance companies in multiple ways that aren't necessarily obvious to a lot of folks that maybe are consumers. One of them is helping differentiate at the front end to acquire customers, which is a lot of what we're talking about here. Some of it is, you know, retention and engagement. A lot of times you don't have an ongoing positive relationship with your insurance company. You pay them money and you hope to get a check when you need it. Um, when something wrong happens, when something bad happens, but you don't really uh, have much of an ongoing 
relationship with them. And I think some of the things that we're seeing some of our partners do that, you know, I think, um, honey has aspirations for is, is being a different kind of insurance company, not just technology, but really on that service side on, on being a partner in property ownership and protection, not just kind of the finance company standing behind the, the value of the property. And then, you know, claims, uh, claims reduction, right? Mm-hmm. Loss reduction is, is a big part of it as we hopefully catch things early, change behavior, um, et cetera. But, um, that was, uh, that was kind of the, a little bit of the story on the, on the front end in terms of how we, um, we got to know each other and, and there was some good proof points, uh, in terms of what we had been doing already that I think helped, helped make this, this partnership happen. Richard, had you gone out and said to yourself, I need to find an IOT provider? Uh, what, what's, what's the story on your side? Yeah. I mean, look, we looked at probably a dozen companies globally you know, we looked at everything from getting a local partner to kind of integrate and cobble together different products, right? Sensors, uh, right through to European and American suppliers. And, you know, I think several things stood out and, and some of them are similar fingerprints to what we value as, as, an, as a high growth company. But I think the things that stood out, number one is that there's lots of people that can provide pieces of a smart home platform, but they're generally not fit for purpose, right? So you can go to Ring, and they can provide you with the ring doorbell right at Amazon, but that's like one piece only. And they're probably not going to be so friendly when it comes to allowing you to integrate that device into your app, for example. Right. right. You right. could go to folks that could help you to detect, you know, that could give you a smart CO2 or carbon monoxide detector, for example. Um, but then you're dealing direct into Asia kind of thing, right? There's other folks. So the, the punchline is that there's only a handful of companies we found that really we're building for the use case we have, which is you are a customer with insurance and the insurance company ideally doesn't ever want you to use insurance, right? Like that's our problem. Our, the problem we're solving for is we don't want the customer to actually ever need us <laughs> fundamentally. And so yeah. if you, if, if you're looking for a technology provider that can solve that problem, meaning we need to be able to get access to activation data, for example, so that we know you're actually running the smart home sensor so we can give you discounts, right? Uh, we need to be able to integrate that into our broader platform as well to make it easy and simple for the customer to use. So when you, and we also wanted a company that was roughly our size, meaning had enough track record and scale that they could work dynamically and quickly with us, right? Yeah. But not enough scale that they were suffocate us, right? And they just couldn't execute. And, you know, it's a notion, I think, checked all of those boxes. The technology platform was fit for purpose. The size and, you know, quality of Brett's team was just fantastic. Like we have a great working relationship. They're a tech company, right? I mean, they call us back quickly. They're on it. When there's issues, we work through it. And it's a very different DNA than dealing with a large tech company, you know, which is it's just not practical given the velocity we're moving, right? Has that been a challenging thing for you, Brett? Uh, going from being, you know, a little nimble startup to to being part of a of a certainly a Fortune 100 company, have you been able to maintain some of that tech attributes that you had before the acquisition? We have. I mean, it's. I, I think one of the the things to highlight on our side uh, with the acquisition, we, we were acquired into a kind of a special group within Comcast called the Strategic Development Group, and there's a, a handful of other companies, actually a couple of other IoT companies, and within that group that were either homegrown inside of Comcast or um, acquired, and so there was a little bit of a playbook as to. I'd say how to acquire companies, let them continue to grow and do what they're great at, not 
come in and kind of mess up process, mess up culture, a lot of those kinds of things. And, um, you know, frankly, let us go compete for partnerships like this one with honey. I think if, if it were Comcast and it was going to take, you know, a, a really long time to sign contracts and weeks on end to get calls back and those kinds of things, um, it just wouldn't have worked. We've been able to keep quite a bit of, of autonomy, but in a way that has allowed us to be competitive. And I think that, you know, the benefits are some of the things that we get at scale with a partner like Comcast, whether it's sourcing or, you know, having a, a, a fairly sizable balance sheet and a lot of additional resources. I think interestingly too, this is an international partnership and we have one other partnership uh, in Japan and you asked about us being a U.S. company. Um, but this is the, our first sort of foray into, you know, Australia, maybe, sure. maybe obvious to say that, but sure. um, worth mentioning. And we were able to move pretty, pretty fast with a lot of resources, um, uh, you know, that the Comcast was able to kind of help bring to the table. Long answer, but summary is, um, yeah, it, we, we really have been able to kind of continue to maintain a lot of that small company look and feel both internally for employees and externally for partners, but, you know, have a lot of the advantages of, of the big company sitting behind us. So I remember when we spoke with you a couple of years ago, um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of remarkable now to look back a couple of years and see how much your, your space has not only changed, but become more crowded, right, in the last few years. It's kind of st- a stunning, I'm sure it's stunning for you. But a couple of years ago, you, you kind of saw Notion as being a hub for IoT in the home. Do, do I remember that correctly? Isn't that kind of how you were visioning the, the product? In some ways, yes. I mean, I think that the mission that we're really on and the way we view it is to reduce the risk of property ownership. Um, and, and we kind of like to say reduce the risk of ownership so much that we become a requirement for obtaining insurance. Um, you know, I think we liken it to a seatbelt in a car. You didn't used to have seatbelts in cars, which sounds crazy, but that, yes. that was the case. Technology then came along. It got cheap enough. It got tested enough to where people understood how, how much safer you could be. And that's really the journey that we're on. And so when, when we think of like the hub or the platform for the home, um, we're, we, we will continue to play nicely with other IOT platforms, either on the hardware or software side, as they continue to expand and grow, I think you'll see us on our roadmap really continue to focus on, you know, core areas of property protection and not as much uh, on some of the areas that are a little bit, maybe more fun, a little more gadgety, not to, to downplay those as important aspects of, especially, you know, consumers recognizing the importance of devices, but that's really kind of how we see, you know, our purpose in the world and, and where we're taking the company. So your desire is for insurance companies to really push for it. Not, not so much the, the tech people out there like me who want the really cool next thing. I mean, you want to be a functional product in the home that is doing exactly what it needs to do, not just a neat whim. Is that what I'm hearing? hundred percent. And, you know, hopefully somebody like you who wants the, the you know, the cool, the cool yeah. gadget also sees a little bit of that in Notion as well. We just want to continue to make sure that what we provide for customers and for partners is, is really true value. I mean, it's kind of, Richard said this before, our DNA sort of matched and, and he was using a lot of the same terms about how they view insurance. 
And we, we just have, you know, what we think of as kind of the other piece of the equation for insurance companies really take that next step in kind of more proactive prevention. And then, you know, I think it's worth mentioning too, just the business side, the, the kind of data and analytics side that we're able to help insurance companies with. We're just kind of scratching the surface with a lot of our partners on that front about how to, you know, how to choose where you put a sensor based on the, the dangers you have in your specific home. How do we get to potentially thinking through customized insurance products with our partners where, you know, your insurance not only is well understood by you as, as a homeowner, but is really specific to you, almost like you see in the auto telematics space where you've got, you know, driver discounts or, you know, kind of individualized insurance products. How do we do that with properties in, in a better way? How do we ensure um, those, those properties in a, in a more customized way? And then also, how do we protect them ultimately at the end of the day, right, is, is kind of the, the theme here. So, um that's kind of how we, we see that part of it. And it's, it's really just related a lot to the, the risks of properties, fire, theft, and then water and temperature still continues to be um, a huge theme and a very preventable, um, you know, loss at the end of the day for both the owner and the insurer. Richard. And so with a 90 to 95% adoption rate, from the little bit that we've gotten to know about you, I'm sure you're still thinking about this, right? And you're thinking about more and how do I stretch it further? So what's on your mind there? You know, I think the space that Brett and myself need to think about over the coming, you know, couple of years, I think is where have we seen costs come down for technology products that can reduce risk for customers, right? You know, so examples of that are, you know, around if you think about water, fire, and theft, right, is the three primary perils that you can kind of control risk to a customer, right? What are the devices that you can use that can help reduce some of those risks? You kind of overlay that, obviously, to to the actual claims rates. And so I think examples of that are around, you know, water leaks, for example, are the things that you can do uh, remotely to switch off water if there's a leak when you're on holiday, things like that, right? Um you know, we've talked about things like video doorbells and what have you. So I think, you know, meaning Amazon parcels getting stolen and things like that. So I think, you know, how do we kind of deconstruct the different places where bad things happen to customers in their house? And then how do we take a look at where technology can reduce those risks for a cheaper cost and the claim cost, right? I mean, fundamentally, that's what we're trying to do. And then give that to customers for free because everyone wins. And so, you know, there's probably half a dozen problems that you could go after. And I think over the coming years, each one of those will become easier to kind of solve for free for the customer as technology costs come down, right? Mm-hmm. Richard, maybe one other just quick point to make too. I think we're, we're kind of go, going into the purposefulness um, of, these, of these things. And there is a customer engagement, engagement aspect that's important to consider. Things like cameras, things like doorbell cameras, um, are pretty highly desired by people. Water leak sensors are less desired by people. Some of the worst um, partnerships in terms of, of adoption rates and installation rates that we ran early on were when we messaged with a partner all about water. Every insurance company wants to stop water leaks. That's their number right. one priority. Right. Um, most homeowners really want a home security system. They really want a doorbell camera. They really want you know indoor and or outdoor video cameras, they're high, they're highly engaging products. Sure. How do we balance out that, that demand from the customer? But I think an important thing that's happening right now is, you know, I can 
I can pat myself on the back and say Notion is a highly engaging, really awesome product. But Honey is doing a fantastic job marketing the product and making it clear why they have such a differentiation in their insurance product, especially in the Australian market. Um, and no, it doesn't mean we're going to stop here and that we've got it. And sensors plus insurance in Australia is it. And you know, <laughs> we'll ride off into the sunset. That's not it at all. We got to keep, keep competing and keep winning. And we have to continue to make sure we're competitive, you know, for honey and for our other partners in the market. But there, there is a unique kind of combination of what an insurance company wants as an end result, more customers retain customers and less loss with what homeowners actually want. Right. They, they don't really care about their insurance company's customer acquisition rate, but they do really care about protecting their, their families and their properties. So there's just a, there's a fun combination of, of things to put together on that one. That, that's a great point because um, many people have never had a water loss in their house and maybe have never known anybody who had a water loss in their house. So why would they care to put a water sensor on the floor in their bathroom when it's probably never going to happen as opposed to everybody's heard of somebody who's had a break in um, or can, can conceive of the danger involved in something like that. And uh, that, that's a great point. Some, something that, that, that I hadn't considered is, is, is that the kind of stuff that uh, is on your mind, Richard? Yeah, I mean, look, Brett raises a wonderful point. And I think, you know, Hippo have done an amazing job, I think, of passing on discounts to incentivize people to install these free sensors. And we're doing the same thing. I think you could imagine getting to a, a steady state, you know, maybe that's in four or five, six years, where the technology costs are dropping enough that a human being can come to your house and do the install. And it's just all completely seamless, right? Or right. where, you know, the incentives that you can offer people are great enough that even if the customer isn't worried about a heart attack, they're genuinely going to hit the gym because there's enough in it for them that that's the motivation. Right. And I think that's like an interesting space for us to get into, which is, um, I think it's very hard to convince people of the heart attack risk, right? You can show them the video of what it means if you get a flood, uh, in your home, but like, that's really not an interesting two minute video for most people to watch. Right. And so I think at the end of the day, the question is, how do you make it completely seamless? And we think a lot about how to reduce friction in all areas of the honey experience. And that's everything from onboarding to renewals, but right through to like, how easy is it to set up your smart home? Right. Can we do that in 10 minutes? Well, what if we could do that in 10 minutes with another three devices? Right. So I think ultimately the question is, how do you do this in a way where it just happens for a customer where they don't literally have to do anything. Cause if you, if I said to you, Hey Rob, um, you can snap, you sign up for honey and everything will be installed for you. You don't do a thing. Okay. You'd imagine that virtually everyone would say, sure. Great. Like, why would I not do that? <laughs> right. dollars right. of free stuff. The, the problem is that you have to set it up and you have to download an app and there's, there's still friction even for free. And yeah, so right. I think the closer that we can move to a world where you just download the app and into the Apple app, uh, you know, it's completely seamless, right? No different than many of your other experiences today. I think that's Nirvana, right? Where we can help people and they really don't have to do anything in order to get that re reduced risk in their lives. In fact, I love that idea because unlike Lee, I want somebody to come into my house and do it all. Yeah. <laughs> he, wants, he wants to get his hands dirty and play with it. I, I have no interest in that. Yeah, we've thought a lot about that. I mean, there's a lot of issues around scalability and, you know, we obsess about controlling the quality of the experience and making sure that 
you know, we're, we're trying to achieve an NPS of 75 in an industry that's six, right? So we think a lot about how to create consistent wow. experiences for people, um, you know, across the board and, um, and, and having a disparate installation team and support team is very hard from a quality control perspective. We, we have a continue to look into that, putting aside costs, but I do think that's the direction ultimately that it's certainly very interesting for us to try and achieve that. I think, because there's a lot of people, if you snap your fingers, you do it. Right. So then the question is like, what do we need to do in order to get closer to the snap? So when you guys sit around and on a Friday afternoon, it's daytime for one of you and nighttime for the other. And you say, boy, this is my dream. My dream is to do this with the home. What, what, what kinds of things do you guys talk about? I think the seamless experience, not to just repeat what was said, but Mm -hmm. um, that is such a big thing for us. And I would say any DIY company is, you know, how can you make it feel as easy as if somebody installed things on their own, or I'm sorry, had them installed for them, uh, doing it on your own. I think that the combination of Notion as what we see as the, the easiest to install set of of DIY sensors on the market today. We just have one device that monitors everything simultaneously. No, no need for different devices to monitor different things paired with a company like Comcast who has 40,000 trucks rolling around the country is, is an interesting long-term value proposition. How do we also use, um, home inspectors? How do we use HVAC and plumbers that sometimes go into homes? There's a whole myriad of folks that are going in and out of properties that um, could play a role in some of these things. But the technology, the ease of use, the setup, and then making people feel really smart about that setup when they do it themselves um, is another thing we've learned an incredible amount about um, over the years that we've been really paying attention to the first, what we call kind of the first 10 to 15 minutes of ownership. Can you establish yeah. trust? Do you make people feel smart that they installed something correctly? Yeah. But I think the extension of this is, you know, today Notion has some really powerful sensors and some really powerful data analytics products, but that's not the complete suite of things that you need to protect your home. There are services and there are other products um, that we are working on building and launching today that, you know, we need to get out there ASAP in order to continue to compete. But it's more than, com- it's more than competition. It's you know, we, we want to save people from, from losses. We want to protect homes and families and pets and belongings and small businesses and all that stuff. Like that's what really is driving us. I mentioned what our mission was earlier without things like cameras, without, you know, some other things in the fire protection and shut off space, um, without, without some other pro monitoring type services, we can't complete that picture. And so, you know, we, we really want to make sure that, you know, we're going down that, that path that I think then ultimately will lead into, some customized insurance products that help to protect each property in a, in a unique and, and custom way better um, than what we're doing today through our partners. So that's kind of how we think about some of the future steps and what we're sprinting towards on our side. You know, I think a lot about how we can move home insurance from very much a grudge purchase, like you're buying a mortgage. It's in Australia, it's mandatory to have home insurance, right? So every single human being who gets a mortgage, which is about 92% of the country, I believe, you know, that out the gate, you're done. And so these people are buying it because they have to buy it. And the question is, is there a way that you can change that into um, a service that people actually genuinely want? Right. And so I think a lot about things like, you know, how do we tie in data, for example, so that 
if you're doing maintenance on your home, you're now getting a discount on your home insurance, right? How do you make sure that people understand they're getting a discount for running smart tech that's, you know, reduces risk in their lives? How do we, you know, automate certain types of repairs for you, right? And I think, I think if you could put it in a very simple way that everyone's kids and parents could understand, right? Where at the end of a quarter, they're looking at their app and it, it literally says, hey, you're 18% safer because of these four things. And you just saved $182 this year because, you know, your behavior and the things that you've done have been good for you and safer. I think that's like, that's kind of the future, right? The future is how do you make sure that you're pricing risk appropriately and incentivizing people to actually be safer? And we have the ways to do that right now. But I think, I think we have to package that in a way that's digestible for the mass market in a way that people understand as consumers, right? Not as an insurance company. And I think that's kind of the, you know, I think a lot about that sort of stuff on, on nights. It's all very interesting. I mean, you're, you're trying to invigorate spaces that have been traditionally not very exciting or expensive or both. That's really interesting. I love the term grudge purchase. I'd never heard that before, but I think you, I mean, that's dead on. Nobody wants to go out and buy an insurance policy, but they have to, right? And mm -hmm. and then Brett is dealing with something where he's serving the insurance industry, but the intermediate, the customer, right? The homeowner has a different intention or a different priority with, with his system than the insurance company does. Lots of interesting issues and problems. And it's terrific that you guys found each other and even more terrific that you found us. And <laughs> we loved the opportunity to talk to you guys today and have you on. What time is it where you are anyways, Richard? I uh, see 11 o'clock in the morning. So bright, bright and early. Oh, damn. I know. 11 <laughs> o'clock tomorrow. Uh, well, for you, actually yesterday, um, <laughs> yesterday. being a little US centric there, Rob. No, we're in, we're That's in your right. yesterday. We're in your yesterday right now. Yeah. I can tell you what ticket to buy at the lottery. So <laughs> I was going to say it's a, it's a huge advantage for Richard to be running an insurance company a day ahead. So That's right. He's he should, always his loss ratio ahead. should be real good. <laughs> That's right. You Richard. can actually go sell policies to people before they buy the policy that they're about to buy. There you go. So, Rob, uh -huh. on that topic, do you have home insurance yet? As a matter of fact, I'm shopping. Well, let me tell Truth you about told. my steak knives and my home insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know what, when I asked you about what your future holds, I was kind of hoping steak knives was part of it. But because uh, <laughs> um, I've seen st Australian steak knives, they're like machetes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Dundee uh, has a long arm. You're the crocodile Dundee of insurance. That's well, awesome. If we can, if we can reduce risk, save some lives in a couple of houses, I think that's, uh, yeah, I'll take that over the knives. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So would we. And listen, we loved having you, Brett. Thank you for coming back again. And Richard, be prepared because you're going to hear from us again. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you all guys so much. Yeah. Thanks guys. Bye. So Lee, we did this interview this week while I was in like the nicest hotel I've ever been in. And yeah. I, we didn't yeah. have time to do the outro. So we're doing it now because right. I had other things to do. <laughs> you did. You had a few other things to do. I had a few other things to do. I was at a conference this week. Yeah. How was that conference? It was good. It was very Which interesting. Which conference was it? It was the Property Information Report National Conference. Huh, it's a long title. They usually have 250 people. They had 175. 
And oh. the organizer told me the 75 people that were missing were all carrier people, which was really? correct. There was It was very, very light on carrier people and very, very help, heavy on vendors. Why, why was that? Was that because carriers still aren't traveling? I believe so, yes. They still aren't allowed to. But you would like to know that just like when we went to InsureTech Connect, mm-hmm. there was a ton of people there who'd been on our podcast. Was there? That's mm-hmm. always fun. Brian Cotton Steady was there from Cape Analytics. That's fun. Tony Triola was there from Verisk. I know that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and and more. And why don't uh, we get the founder of the uh, of the conference on? He won't do it. Oh, which is not something that we're used to, right? I mean, usually people say yes. Yeah. So we'll just have to keep trying. That's true. We're super grateful to our guests today, or actually the other day. We are. I mean, it was really good getting to talk to everybody. Uh, it's neat to see how Australia and America, not not even that, it's really interesting to hear how the insurance world of Australia is working and, and how Richard's going in there and kind of, um, you know, mixing things up and, mm-hmm. and bringing insure tech down mm-hmm. to a to an insurance world where there's about five players, he said. I mm-hmm. think it's uh, very exciting to hear about what he's doing. Very exciting. And we're, we're thrilled uh, whenever we have an opportunity to showcase an insure tech that's making it and, uh, and, and making waves. It's cool. Very so we, cool. Uh, thanks to Brett and to Richard. And thanks to you for listening to us. And until next time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>